Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. You cannot go home tonight and pop in an R-rated and X-rated video and watch some of that jazz and believe that God is going to make you a powerful witness this week. We are in the world, but we cannot have the world in us. That doesn't mean we're weird, but it does mean this. While Peter was by the fire, he had a warm body, but he had a cold heart. And God wants our hearts. In this life, you can always recall the sins you've committed long after you've repented and been forgiven of them. Maybe there's something specific that reminds you of your past transgressions. Like Peter must have felt every time he heard a rooster crow. You may sometimes feel burdened by your failings, but the Savior forgives. Instead of dwelling on the things you've done wrong, when those memories surface, think of His grace. He gave His Spirit so that you could walk in strength and purpose despite your past. Be encouraged by that wonderful gift that you are washed clean and given a fresh start, a time to heal and have peace in Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 63, for the conclusion of our message entitled, All Alone, Deserted and Forsaken. In other words, enough about answering something. I'm asking you under oath, and the Old Testament law required a person, if asked under oath, to give a response. I'm asking you under oath, are you, kind of emphatically, the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Verse 62. I am, says Jesus. Now, do you think the high priest was getting excited? Yes. See, they were going to accuse him of blasphemy. Son of God. Can't be the Son of God. If you're the Son of God, by, in the Old Testament, Son of God, blasphemy, by the way, it was, was treated by stoning death. So he's getting excited. But after Jesus says two words, he gives them something else to think about. They probably never got it. And unless you study it, you don't get it. Let's talk about it tonight. Then Jesus said something really neat. He says this. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, I'll give you two verses. We won't go there tonight because of time. Good homework for you this week. Psalm 110, verse 1, and Daniel 7.13. And what Jesus is really saying there is neat. Now, there is a very good chance that some of the priests knew what Jesus was talking about because both of these prophecies were about the coming Messiah. So Jesus says, I'm just applying them to myself. I not only am saying to you I am, but I fulfill these prophecies. And what he was saying there was actually this. One day he'd be sitting at the right hand of power. And when he was at the right hand of power, and they were going through judgment, guess who was going to be asking the questions in that day? Uh, he was saying, there's a day coming, my friends, when the tables are going to be turned. I'm going to be sitting at the right end in Judgment Day. I'm going to be asking you, and you're the one that's going to have to respond. 
Now, he just kind of casually throws it out there. And what he's trying to say is, unmistakably, I am the Messiah, the anointed one. When the high priest, verse 63, heard that, he tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And that was to the 70, the Sanhedrin. And they all condemned him as worthy of death. And as I said before, Leviticus 24, 15 and 16 always said that blasphemy was punishable by death. There was no more false witnesses needed because the high priest knew now that Jesus had actually incriminated himself under oath. He had said he was the Son of God. Then verse 65. And some began to spit at him. Spitting at a person in these days, today is horrible, but in those days it was incredibly gross. The Bible even speaks about it. And they blindfolded him and struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. Now, and here's another homework for you. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. There's some people that believe that that passage of Scripture is a messianic test for a person who claims the Messiah. It says the true Messiah was supposed to be able to tell when someone hit him without sight. So what did they do? They blindfold Jesus. They begin to punch him in his face. You know, if, if you ever do even a little boxing or whatever, you always fend off, what, the ones to your face, because they hurt. You're able to do that. He was blindfolded. He didn't have any idea where the blows were coming for. No chance to defend himself. Just one right after the other, totally to his face. Now, notice that Jesus does not answer. He doesn't give him any satisfaction. Could he have told? Only if God would have told him because he gave up everything but his humanity here. And then he was turned over to the temple guards. And they followed the superior's example. And it says there the guards took him and beat him. So they continue to beat him with open-handed slaps. And this also, there's another passage for you to look up later, Isaiah 52, 14. And it says this, Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So, that is a picture of Jesus. And before he finishes all the trials, you know he's beaten again many times. And that's what happened to our, our Lord for us. Now, while this is happening... Caiaphas's house, down below, street level, we have Peter. Now remember, this is very important that you see this, and I think it, it shows me again the integrity of Peter. Peter is telling what happened to Mark, because Mark isn't here. If you did these things, as Peter did, would you be telling them like this? But Peter does. The Bible's integrity has integrity. Now, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servants' girl of the high priest came by. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. So while all of this is happening, Peter's downstairs having his own troubles. 
He got close to the fire because it was cold. It's cold at night, especially in Jerusalem there because you're up high. And even when we go, we always take a jacket for the morning and whatever in the evening because it's, it's chilly. This individual, maybe the servant girl who John allowed to get in, recognized Peter. He's there in the fire. He's there in the light. And it's a difficult position. And he's sitting at the fire with the enemy. This servant girl says, I know you. Now, what would you do? Would you want to be known as one of the disciples? Not a chance. That's the last thing you want to be known at. So, verse 68, but he denied it. And he says this. There's three things. Very interesting the way sin works. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. So he doesn't deny that he knows Jesus or he's one of them initially. What's he deny? He basically says this. He lies to the girl and he says, I don't even understand your statement. And he leaves quickly. Interesting, he leaves and goes away from the light. (laughs) When you lie, you go away from the light. He moved away from the light so he couldn't be recognized. He didn't want to be known for who he is. The light brought out who he was, just as when we teach. You know, there's lots of people that are uncomfortable with the light of the word. That's why they don't like our services. Praise God that God is changing their heart. When the servant girl saw him there, many believe this is another servant girl, she said again to those standing around, so she doesn't come now, she just says to them, well, this fellow is one of them. So she doesn't bother Peter, she just says, hey, that guy over there, and she's talking to a group of people, he's he's definitely one of them. Verse 70, and again, he denied it. So this is the second time that Peter has denied it. Then in about Luke chapter 22 tells us probably an hour passes, somewhere near an hour. And after a little while, those standing near to Peter said, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. Now Matthew kind of tells us what really happens in there. We won't turn to it tonight, but his dialect gave him away. He was down in a different area, and this Galilean dialect gave him away and revealed who Peter really was. There are some people in Matthew that believe that there was a relative of Malchus. Remember the guy whose ear was off? They said, this is the guy. I mean, Malchus already told me about this. This is unbelievable. You're the guy that, in fact, you're not only one of them, you're the guy that wept the sword. You're the guy. You're the one that's there. Peter finds he's in trouble. Now, there are a number of translations that say during this time or before this time, somewhere near the cock crowed early in the night. You know, roosters can crow anytime. You know that, don't you? And if you live by one, you never know when them nuts are crowing. I mean, you think, what in the way? Is, there, is it daylight all in? You look out, it's 2.30 in the morning. You know, guys, I don't know what's happened. You know, he's having trouble or something. He needs a pill. He's just making his noise. Well, many people believe this happened because Jesus said before it crows twice, you're going to deny me. So verse 71 says, he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Now, curses aren't like XXXXXXX, you know, boom, R-rated. They're not swearing words. In the, in the Greek, it means here, he sealed his denial with an oath. On the Bible, I don't know who this guy is. An oath. 
Isn't that interesting how sin works? First denial, he pretends not to hear. Second, he denies being one of the disciples. Third, he even seals it with an oath. That's the way little lies always work in our lives. They start small, and they just continue. That's exactly what happened to Judas. A little bit of money, and pretty soon, betrayed our Lord. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. And then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Let's uh, flip over to Luke 22 for just a moment. There's one thing that Mark, Peter doesn't give us this. He does tell us that he broke down and wept. Here's the fulfillment of what really took place that night. Luke 22:61. The Lord turned, so we know that Jesus was up on top and at Caiaphas' house. It said the Lord turned when this took place, when the rooster crowed, and looked straight at Peter. Ever catch somebody's eyes when you've been wrong? And you've lied to them, they caught you? Can you imagine the look? We don't know at this point what Jesus even looked like doesn't tell us. But it says, when this happened, then Peter remembered the word, and he broke down and he wept. This denial was in less than two hours. Peter remembered. Remember how bold he was a few hours before? Standing in his own strength. Now it's interesting to me, And this is where God's grace comes in. The rooster crowing. How do you think Peter felt every time he heard a rooster crow? And that's why we have to have God's grace tonight. You see, if we don't have God's grace tonight, every time you hear a rooster crow, you're filled with condemnation. You you couldn't live a Christian life. You'd be gone. But that's why Jesus Christ says tonight, when you come to him and ask for forgiveness of sins, he doesn't only forgive us, he forgets it. So it's out of the, it's past, it's gone. Remember in the Old Testament, put it on one goat, one the other goat went off into the wilderness, signifying your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. God's grace tonight. Aren't you glad? Every time the rooster crows, it's fine with me, because I got a brand new start. Now let me give you four things about Peter's failure here. Then I want to read you a story, and then we're going to talk just a second about Judas. Four keys to Peter's failure. Peter, number one, was trusting in his own strength and not relying on God. We talked about that this morning. So that was a failure for Peter. It goes all the way back to the garden. It goes all the way back to the place where he's boasting on himself. You and I, just write this verse down by it, 1 Corinthians 10.12. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says this, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. So if you're here tonight and you say, well, and this is a good thing for us to think, put ourselves in the shoe of any of the disciples. Would we have done different? Oh, I would. Careful. Careful. See, if you can do it in your natural strength, not a chance. We'll all fail exactly like it. And it still happens today. So it's a good thing for us to look at. I don't just look at these 11 guys or the 12 guys and go, man, what a bunch of guys. 
I pull myself there and go, yep, yep, I could be just the same. So number two, Peter had failed in his time of prayer. I believe this is a key. Followers of Jesus who do not pray and try to follow God in their own strength are doomed to fail time and time and time and time again. Prayer is the key. Third, you remember in our passage, it said Peter was following afar off. And that speaks about what I spoke to you about this morning. If you have no zeal in your life for God, if you're just hanging around, if the things of God really just kind of lukewarm don't mean much to you, you're going to have a very difficult time ever becoming a mature Christian. Peter was just following afar off. And lastly, Peter was finding comfort at the wrong place, at the fire of the enemy. You can't play around with the things of the world, looking for comfort in the things of the world, and expect to be a right-on Christian. You cannot do it. You cannot go home tonight and pop in an R-rated and X-rated video and watch some of that jazz and believe that God is going to make you a powerful witness this week. We are in the world, but we cannot have the world in us. That doesn't mean we're weird, but it does mean this. While Peter was by the fire, he had a warm body, but he had a cold heart. And God wants our hearts, and he wants them to be full on for him. Let me read you found this on the internet. I thought it was fascinating. Let me just put it aside for a second. If I get to Judas tonight, I'm fine. If, if not, I'll do it another time. Let me just read to you. Somebody's very talented and they wrote this. This is Peter speaking. Listen to it. How I hated that rooster hearing that rooster crow. Its penetrating cry pierced my heart. Oh, sure, I had heard roosters crow many times before. I'm a fisherman. Almost all my life, I've fished the Galilee during the night. At daybreak, when it was time to bring our catch to shore, I often heard the roosters crowing. Yet no cock ever crowed with the shrillness or intensity of this one. I felt devastated when I heard it. Jesus had warned me. He said Satan would sift me as a farmer sifts his wheat. He had also prayed for me that my faith would not completely fail. Yet he knew I would deny him when the time came. How could this happen? Just hours ago I had defended my Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane. Impulsively I attempted to keep the soldiers from apprehending him by drawing my sword and attacking Malchus, one of the servants of the high priest. How could such an act of bravery be followed by such an act of cowardice? I'll be asking myself that for a long time. I remember the confusion when they led Jesus away from the garden. Most of the disciples scattered in fear, but John and I followed the mob to the palace of the high priest. I don't know exactly what drew us there. Maybe we felt compelled to find out what would happen to Jesus. Now the high priest's house was on the other side of Jerusalem, and we made our way through the dark streets, staying at a safe distance behind the soldiers. And the high priest is the one of the wealthiest citizens in Jerusalem. And his house shows it. It's a palatial home with the rooms built around an open courtyard. To get into the inner courtyard, we had to pass through an arched passageway. 
The opening from the street was blocked by a heavy gate. Another gate at the other end of the passageway barred her entrance to the courtyard. A young lady served as gatekeeper. Fortunately, she knew John. So when he hastily said to her, He's with me, let us in, she did, and we were inside the high priest's house. John followed the soldiers to the hall where the large crowd had assembled. I thought it best to mingle with those milling around. I wanted to melt into the crowd. What if someone recognized me? I had just caught off the ear of the high priest's servant. Surely one of those men would remember me. It was dangerous for me to be here. But where else should I go? Suddenly the young girl who sat at the gate came over to where I was warming myself by the fire. I knew she was uneasy when John asked her to admit both of us to the courtyard. You're one of these men's disciples, aren't you? To say yes would have been asking for trouble, so I denied it. Not me, I'm not a follower of a Nazarene. I turned my back on her and began to talk with some of the men gathered around the fire. I wanted her to go away. Eventually she did, but not before sharing with the suspicious friends who I was. It wasn't long before that friend said to those gathered around, This fellow is one of them. He was with Jesus the Nazarene. Some of the men chimed in, accused me of allegiance to Jesus. Now for a second time that night, I denied my Lord and I said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. What was wrong with me? I was filled with anger and shame. The double denial appeared to satisfy the crowd. They went on about their business, still buzzing about the evening. Things settled down. I thought perhaps, well, just maybe I'd fooled them all. Two denials surely would be enough to save my neck, but I was wrong. The night dragged on. What was happening in that hearing hall? What were they doing to Jesus? About an hour later, a man came to me and said, You're a Galilean, aren't you? I knew my speech identified me from the North Country, but so what? Many Galileans were in town for the Passover. What was he getting at? Why were all these people staring at me and trying to link me with Jesus? In desperation, I said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Angry and excited, I began to call curses down on myself and swear that I never knew Jesus. What a pathetic sight it must have been. But my tirade was interrupted when the rooster began to crow. It was just as Jesus predicted. He told me I would deny him three times before the cock crowed. I said it could never happen, but it did. I, his ardent follower and chief defender, I'd become the voice of denial. The crowing of the crock was proof. It meant nothing to the others. Only that morning arrived. To me, it meant everything. Now I stand here disgraced and despondent. I couldn't even admit that I knew Jesus. What kind of a disciple am I? Perhaps one day, Jesus will give me the opportunity to show how I really feel about him. Perhaps one day I can declare my love just as much as this night I denied it. For now, the shrill crowing of the rooster still rings in my ears. It's a sound I'll never forget. It's a sound I pray Jesus does not remember. Aren't you glad tonight Jesus does not remember? As we heard today, Peter wasn't as strong in his faith in Jesus as he thought. Pastor Mark pinpointed Peter's struggles, which began with his failure, like the rest of the disciples, to pray. He missed out on true intimacy with his Savior. 
Like us, we heard how Peter relied on his own strength when he tried to defend Jesus with the sword instead of the heart. And Peter followed Jesus from afar, not fully invested in Jesus' message. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll hear how Jesus has been wrongfully condemned and is now facing the cross. Pastor Mark will take us through all the events leading up to his death, even the seemingly small ones, and how everything was so purposefully planned to accomplish the will of God. Although it's difficult to imagine Jesus' experience on the cross, we'll be encouraged by his amazing sacrifice. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 